Okay, take your Bible with me this morning and turn back to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This will be the third lesson in this series entitled The Blessings of Redemption. The Blessings of Redemption, part 3. I know people seem to think that we dwell too much on the free grace, free grace of God in Christ Jesus. But, you know, I'm, I'm firmly convinced of this, and the older I get, the longer that the Lord gives me an opportunity to preach His gospel, the more assured I am that the, the proper method to bring forth true obedience out of the children of God is not by threats or promises of reward. It is a declaration to our hearts and to our minds and to our understandings from God's Word by His Holy Spirit that reveals to us clearly who and what we are and what we possess and what we've been forgiven. I'm going to tell you what, if a man or woman truly understands the forgiveness that's in Christ Jesus, they forgive. Now, they do. Now, it's not perfect forgiveness, but we forgive. We, we don't give perfectly. I mean, I, we, we want, we're like, we ought, our heart's intent ought to be like that woman that wanted to, you know, she threw in all that she had. She threw in that one might, and that was everything. And we ought to want to support the gospel ministry in its effort to get out evangelically with everything that we got. But we, we only do what we purpose in our own hearts. That's the way, you, that's the way that you're instructed to give. We don't give legally or judicially or for threat that if we don't give whatever the church demands of us to give, that God's going to get it anyhow. God, God, listen, I, when I think about the way that we give, I always think about this. Our Lord said, the, the, the true and living God says, if I was hungry, would I ask you anything? Huh? Would you? Would he? Why? The cattle of a thousand hills is he. That's if, if, if you feel led to give, give. And I know God's children are led to give. They give what they can. But give as, as, as you purpose in your heart, but give cheerfully and joyfully and sacrificially without any concern that our God is able to meet your needs even after you've given whatever you've given. What motivates us to do that? Why, why should I want to give? Well, Christ, though he was rich, he became poor. So that we, through his poverty, might be made what? Rich. Rich in what sense? Blessed be, that's what we've been talking about for the last multiple lessons. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all, you hear that? With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's important, it's essential that we know we have eternal life. Yeah. And we know whom we've believed. Not whom we've believed in, but whom we've believed. We believe that he's able to keep that which, uh, which uh, he's able to keep us from falling and to present us to himself holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Now, we had spent the last two weeks, last two lessons, Dealing with one verse, verse 15. We want to move on this morning now. We're actually going to move forward with some different verses today. But look back at verse 15 because it, it, it sets up what he says under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in verse 16. He says, Wherefore I also, 
after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. And like I told you last week, two things, two, two characteristics of God's children is first of all, they, they, their faith in Christ Jesus is the Lord, their righteousness. But the second is this, they love who? We know, John said this, we know we pass from death unto life in that we love not the world, because you've know, you got to make the distinction. In First in John chapter 2, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All that's in the world, lust flesh, lust eyes, pride life, the other world. In the world, all that's in it, what's happening, it's passing away. So he's not saying we know we've passed from death into life because we love all men and women without exception, which we should be compassionate toward all men and women without exception, and we should be. I mean, I don't know about you. I, I see all of that that's happened. I, I, my next-door neighbor, I didn't even know we were having an election this week. I don't, I don't watch the news anymore. I quit watching the news three years ago. I just I don't, I don't keep up with the news at all. <clears throat> but I, I have been seeing some of this that's occurred over there in national Israel. And the, the things, you know, those videos of those kids at that, at that concert or wherever they were at and what those people have done and just hunting them down like animals and killing them. I, you know, they, it, our, our compassion, you'd be an animal yourself if you didn't feel compassion for something like that. When people are struck by a physical tragedy like an earthquake or a or hurricane or a tornado when it passed through our town. Our hearts go out to people. When we see people, even though they're not believers, we see them with sick children or sick parents or sick spouses. Our hearts go out to them. And we should, by God's grace, pray that the Lord would show himself merciful and gracious to them, even so far as if it's, if it's his will to grant them healing grace, to heal their bodies. But more than anything else, I want for lost sinners... Lost friends, lost family members, what do we want more than anything else? Not the healing of their bodies. What? The healing of their souls. So we, 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 we don't love the world. I, the, 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 the difference between a child of God and those that are of the world, the world loves its own. He said, if you were of the world, what would the world do to you? Love you. It'd embrace you. They'd consider you a brother. But because I've chosen you out of the world, therefore, what does the world do? The world hates you just like it hate, hated our Lord Jesus Christ. But then he said that, John said, we know, we are confident, we pass from death into life in that we love the brethren. We love the brethren. But notice verse 16. These, these that he said, I've heard of your faith. Now, he didn't hear about it over the internet because there was no internet back then. He didn't hear about it. <laughs> over the, a radio broadcast or through TV news. He heard of it by word of mouth. These people believed and rested in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not talking about their belief. They're, they're physically believing. He's talking about the, the object of their faith. I know He knew that they believed and rested in the same God that he believed in and rested in. How do we know that? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? Whoever he's writing to here in this epistle, these are justified saints. These are people Christ died for, who he actually redeemed by his substitutionary obedience unto death at Calvary. 
This isn't, this isn't a letter that's written haphazardly to some folks in hope that some of them will read this and be brought to, to faith. This, this is written to true believers. True believers who still have faith. they got a lot of problems. They still have the same things in their lives that you and I experience in our lives every single solitary day. We'll see when we get over further, these people who've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, whom God the Father chose, whom Christ the Son redeemed, who God the Holy Spirit regenerated and converted, of whom Paul said, I've heard of your faith, and I know you love of the brethren. These same people that he writes so wonderfully about and praises them and, and gives comfort and assurance to them starts off this letter just impounding their minds with this truth. He says to them, Quit lying to each other. Quit stealing from each other. Uh-huh. But he says this of them in verse 16. He says, I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your love to all the saints. Not to the world, to all the saints. And for this cause, you know what? I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. <laughs> now think about that. Think how many people Paul knew and he'd encounter before conversion and after conversion on his missionary journeys as he preached the gospel. And yet the apostle Paul starts off saying to these people, he says, I cease not. In other words, I, I, it, that word cease not means incessantly, with continuance. I cease not to pray, give thanks for you, first of all, but then also it, I make mention of you in my prayers. In my prayers. It's when a pat on the back. He wasn't saying, well, look at me. The apostle, think about it. He thanks God for each and every true believer, true justified saint, because he knows that who are they? They're God's elect. They're vessels of mercy chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Those that God himself prepared for glory. And we should always remember, and, I, and, I, 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 and, and we fail so miserably. Lord, be merciful to you and me. We, we should always remember to thank God for our brethren in Christ. Who's the most important people to you? you know, I, 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 I love my physical family. I do. Now, some of them I don't want to be around, <laughs> but I still love them, and I do. And if they happen to go before me, it's going to hurt to see them leave this life, just like we've all lost loved ones, friends, family, and foe. But, you know, the, the ones that I want to be with are those who I have something in common with. Uh -huh. The ones who have the same hope that I have, the same assurance that I have, who've seen the same Christ that I have by God's grace, who've been convinced of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment to come. Because we've got something in common. What have we got in common? The same elder brother the same surety, the same substitute, the same mediator who stands between God and men, the man. Huh? 
the man Christ Jesus. I, I think one of the most amazing things to me is a sinner saved by God's grace is that right now there is a man seated, a glorified God man seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh-huh. Who bears my name in his heart and in his mind and on his shoulders just like that high priest did when he went into that temple and into that tabernacle. And all that he is and all that he did, he doesn't have to say a word, can he? he he's not up there on his knees. He, he see, he, he, he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, you learn some things. I used to say he's, he's praying for me all the time. The fact that he sits there demands and, 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 and is a, not a propitiate, is a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, the fact that he's sitting there is intercession for me. Doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to say, Lord, look at me. God's, God always says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Are you in the son? See, that's the thing. Are you in the son this morning? If you're in the son, if you're in him, and man being Christ, what are you? New creature. New creature in what sense? God's pleased with you just like he's pleased with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ever and always. We give thanks to God for them because their salvation, those that, that are, those that he prayed for, listen, he wasn't praying for the Judas Iscariots of this world. I, that's why I, I, the older I get and the longer I get in my life, I, I'm very careful now in prayer about who I, you know, I, we, we have a tendency when we pray for the Lord to convert people, it's more about what we want than seeking his will. I don't know who God's elect are. And for me to even sit there and name my little granddaughter and say, Lord, if you, if you would, please save Zoe Warmer. It ain't, it ain't please save. If, if she's his, what should be the prayer? Lord, if she's a mess, vessel of mercy, you in your time, according to your will, you reveal yourself in her and to her. And she will, he will if it's his will. But for most of the time, most of the things we ask for, it's because we want it. Not, not our will, but his will be done. And so he gave thanks, and we give thanks to our brothers and sisters in Christ because their salvation is not a product of their own works or their own merits. It's purely by God's free grace in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's salvation for any of us, any of the elect of God, what is it? It's the gift of God based on Christ's righteousness, freely imputed, received and rested in by that which no man by nature, no woman by nature has, true God-given faith. It has to be given to us. He also said this, I make mention of you in my prayers. And I, 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 when I was going back through my notes this morning, Underline that word prayers, and I capitalized the last letter of it. You look it up in the original, it's a plural. So it's not just I make mention of you when I pray. It's in my prayers. Paul, you know, you think about Paul. Remember when, when our Lord 
told Ananias what he was fixed to do with Ananias. You going down there. I, mean, there's a, I got a man down there, and he says, he prays. He prays. This was after Saul of Tarsus had met our Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Well, let me ask you, because I, I think about this a lot. Do you think Saul of Tarsus ever prayed before he met Christ on the road to Damascus? Remember that blind man that had been blind from his youth, childhood up, that our Lord healed him, and the Jews were so indignant about it, you know, they went and found him in the temple. They went and sought him out and said, who did this? And in the course of the conversation, that they said, as for this man, they, they speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said, for this, as for this man, this man's a sinner. And this, this blind man looked at those Jews, those Pharisees, those, those religious leaders that thought they were so wise, he nailed them with this. He said, for we know that God heareth not sinners' prayer. Go read it for yourself. God heareth not sinners' prayer, but if any man... Let's go there. Let's read it. Let's read it. Look over at John chapter... Uh, I think it's uh, John 9 is where it's at. It says... Uh, it's in verse 24 is when the, converse, when the conversation really gets intense. Then again called they the blind man that was blind and said to him, Give God the praise, for we know that this man's a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, a sinner or no, I know not, but one thing I know, whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him, What did he to thee? How opened he thy eyes? He answered and said, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore, will you, will, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, and we are Moses' disciple." We know that Moses, God spoken to Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said, where, where, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now listen to the wisdom of this sinner. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he hears. What's his will? Hmm? What's his will? Any man, if any man, think, of, think about what he said. If any man be a worshiper of God, the only way you can be a worshiper of God, what have you got to be? You got to be holy. Huh? Think about that. Ain't nothing unclean going before this God. Any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will. Do, what, this is the will of him that sent me. What's his will? 
that you believe on him whom God hath sent. That ain't easy believism. That's not saying the sinner's prayer. That's trusting the, the, the only soul you've got into the hands of the one that you've never seen with your physical eyes, trusting that he, by his obedience unto death, bore your sins in his body on the tree, and by his stripes you are healed. That's believing on him whom God has sent. Not just saying, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. So to do the will of God, believe on him whom God has sent. The man that does that, the woman that believes on him whom God has sent, what? God hears them. He said of Saul of Tarsus, he, behold, he prays. Prayed before, not heard by God. Regenerated and converted, having met the Lord Jesus Christ, having Christ revealed in him and to him, what? Now God hears him. <laughs> he hears it. He hears our faint cries. Now he does. Paul was a man of prayer. Just like our Lord Jesus Christ was a man of prayer. I, I looked that up again this morning. Looked at, type in the word prayed in, in your concordance. In, in your, if you have an online concordance. Look how many times the word prayed is used in the Gospels concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, where he went into the mount and prayed all night. Huh? Prayed all night. Remember when he went in, the, before his crucifixion, he went into the garden of Gethsemane and his disciples stopped and were there and he told them to continue in prayer and he went a few steps forward and he fell on his face and began to pray. That was when he prayed and sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And he got up and he came back, and what did he find? When he came back to where his apostles were at, disciples were at, they were asleep, weren't praying. And he, he said, he, he, he spoke to them and talked about the fact, would to God, men ought always to pray and not faint, right? But he prayed all night. Who was that that prayed all night? It was God man. The, the, he, he incarnate God, and he prayed. Prayed to the Father. Paul, listen, think about it. Paul told all God's redeemed in every generation, you and me included, in 1 Thessalonians, he told us, you know how we're to pray? Pray without ceasing. Did you do that this week? Huh? Have you done it today? When I think about prayer and I think about what he's told us we should do, I cannot get that verse out of my mind. Him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, what is it? See, we want to run out on all them rabbits about everything else that we call sin. We forget about those sins. It's easy to talk about the ones that are so visible, but what about the invisible ones that nobody else sees? in our hearts and in our minds and our understanding. Folk, we should, we, this is what I'm getting to. You and me should be people of prayer. Now, we should be. But we should specifically be people of prayer, especially regarding who? Our brethren. 
Did you pray for our services this week? That the Lord would be pleased to glorify and honor himself as we come together to worship him in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in human flesh? Did you pray for any of the ones that are on the prayer list? Did you pray for the brothers and sisters in Christ that you've been united with for whatever years you've been united with them? You know, you see it, all of us in here, just about with exception, are on some sort of social media. And it amazes me how lost people, religious lost people, when they have a problem health-wise or finance-wise or, you know, something destroyed, you have a car accident or something destroyed, and they always, on social media, they ask everybody, pray for me. Do you want that? Huh? Do you want, every, do you want everybody from every religion praying, praying for you? Huh? Why? They're praying to a God that can't save. They're praying, listen, they're praying to a God who has no hands, no feet, no arms, no will, no power, no authority, unable to do or change anything. If you want people to pray for you, get in touch with your brother, brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. I, you get in touch with me. I know some men and women scattered to the, to the four corners of this earth that I know by what they've told me or their, what they're confident. I'll ask them to pray. And I tell you, I, I feel a heap sight better with my brothers and sisters in Christ praying that the Lord's will be done in my life or in the lives of our own brothers and sisters in Christ or others' needs than I would ever entrust anything in the hands of somebody that's just praying to a God, even though they call him Jehovah or Jesus. I guarantee you, folks, them Jews that are suffering again, what they're going through over there, they are crying out to Jehovah. Do you not know that? It's not to Jehovah, it's not Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, or Jehovah Rapha that's who they're praying. They're praying to a Jehovah that they have formed. They're praying to a Jehovah that still ain't sent Christ. I mean, you do realize that, right? The Jews, the, those physical Jews that went through what they went through this last week and are about to go to war again, those people are still right now, looking for Christ to come, waiting for him. And he's been here. And he did exactly what he was sent to do. They missed him. But notice verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. I mean, think about the way he describes our God. The, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul prayed that the Father of glory, our glorious Father, that he would further illuminate and enlighten our minds in divine knowledge concerning God the Father's redemptive glory, which always includes Christ, both his person, his offices, and his mediatorial work. I would be a fool and a liar 
if I stood up here and tried to tell you that I hadn't learned some things that had been of great encouragement and comfort to me that I did not know when you and I first listened to that tape 36-something years ago. Right? I, I didn't know I was a sinner. And God, by his grace, did teach me how he could be just to justify the ungodly. But I, tell, I didn't have the comfort and assurance that I've got then that I have now. And it's not through sinful pride or a misrepresentation or misunderstanding of the Scripture. It's as he, that the Lord, through time, you know what he's, he's allowed me to dig out things in his word that, in, that greater, greater in, a, in a greater sense or fashion, it's like a flower opening up. I see more of it. It's not new knowledge. It's just a revelation of what he has done so gloriously and perfectly in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's praying here for our illumination and enlightenment that enables you and me as children of God to understand and receive and act on these comforting truths that establish our hearts with grace. It, it, listen, Paul said to the, in, the book, in the book of Hebrews, he said it's a good thing. Remember that we went through that in Hebrews? It's a good thing that the heart be established with grace. Huh? How's it going to be established with grace? You got to study the book. You got to look at the promises. How many times do you think about this? I think it's Isaiah 42 where he said, made this statement, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. You still think about that? Well, yeah. I tell you what, that makes the redemption that I have so fully and freely in Christ a whole lot more understanding. Uh-huh, doesn't it? That God, even God, is he that he blotted out my transgressions and he did it for one reason only. He didn't do it for me. He did it for his own sake. Why? So he could be just when he justifies the ungodly. God doesn't do anything haphazardly. It's always absolutely, positively on purpose. So this prayer that Paul, and that's what this is. This is a prayer that Paul's praying here. It's a prayer for growth and grace and knowledge in order that you and I, just like the book of Hebrews said, that we would become more skillful in the word of righteousness and be confident in the hope of the gospel, the certainty of our final glorification based on Christ, his blood, and his righteousness alone. It kind of reminds me of the Apostle John's words when he wrote in 1 John chapter 1 or chapter 5. He said, These things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life and that you might believe, continue to believe, because that's the way it's written. That's the tense of the verb. You might continue to believe on the name of the Son of God. I wrote this into my notes this morning. Here's a good question. What are the these things? What are the these things that he's written to them for confidence and assurance? These things have I written unto you that you might know you have eternal. What? What, John? Here it is. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. 
He that believeth not on the Son of God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record God gave of his Son. This is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life. Man, that door just opened, and now it's closing. God hath given to us eternal life, and this life, where is it at? It's in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. The very next verse, these things, that, have I written unto you that you might know. I know whom I believe. Do you know? Huh? Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Tell you one thing, Paul makes it very clear here that these he's writing to, they had been regenerated, converted by God the Holy Spirit under the preaching of the gospel. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's that? That's a divine enlightenment. You didn't figure this out. Huh? You went out there looking for it. You were looking for the... God that your mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or some old preacher told you about, some Sunday school teacher told you about, wasn't looking for this God unless somebody told you about this God. Huh? Listen to Young's little translation of this verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened for your knowing what is the hope of his calling. That's why they're enlightened. We know the hope of our calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same. That original word translated the eyes, it's not talking about physical sight. What's it talking about? It's talking about spiritual sight. Why Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12 the hearing ear and the seeing eye. Yea, the Lord hath made even the both of them. That word translated understanding, it means the mind is a faculty of understanding, feeling, and, and, and desiring. Now think about that. The, 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 the eyes of your mind, your soul, your spirit being enlightened. The Holy Spirit tells us, all men by nature, what do we not have? Listen to you. As it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. And I forgot about this next part of this verse. There's none that understand. There's none that seeketh after God. How many? None. Not one. But to those born of God, the Apostle John says this, and we know the Son of God is come. Listen to this. And hath given us an understanding. Huh? Think about that. He hath, where, did it, where did it come from? I worked it up. I studied hard. 
I, I dug deep into the scriptures and I pulled it out on my own. No, he hath given to us understanding. That we, listen, what's the understanding give us? That we may know him that's true. Apart from this understanding given, you can't know him that's true. And we are in him that's true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Always keep in mind our Lord Jesus Christ's prayer and his high priestly prayer when you think about this thing of understanding. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee. And know thee, the only true God, I often wonder, I, I've said that every time I've taught through that path. Why go into that? Why not just say, it might know God? Why, why the only living, true and living God? Why that? Why go into such detail? Because there's other, there's other G-O-Ds, little G-O-Ds, that are not this God. And Jehovah, our salvation, the Messiah, the anointed sin of God. He sent God, the true living God, sent this one. Why? To satisfy himself. Like the Apostle Paul, all God's children, every one of God's elect, they know whom they have believed. And they're persuaded. Who persuaded them? God did by divine enlightenment. Persuaded them that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Then he says something else. He says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened to the hope of his calling. This hope of his calling is the knowledge of God glorified and Christ exalted in our hearts now and forever, which hope comforts us and motivates us in this life, being fully persuaded that what God's promised, he's able to perform. It's that certainty of the fact that we are as sure and certain for heaven as if we're already there, all of it based exclusively, not on anything done in us or by us, even assisted by God the Holy Spirit, but based exclusively on the imputed righteousness of Christ, his very obedience unto death. That's what faith looks to. Huh? Rest in Christ ever and always. And then he says this, the riches, the hope of it, that we might know the hope of his calling, and we'll quit with this this morning. The riches of his glory, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This refers to, you know, his time, the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance, not to the saints, but his inheritance where? In the saints. What does that mean to you and me? We're his bride. Uh-huh. We're, in the, we're the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're his portion. Go read that. Go read the book of Isaiah. God said he'd give the heathens for him as a portion, as his part. Everything that he did was to gain his inheritance, to bring us to glory. And you think about this in closing. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he's glorified in every attribute of his character of his being in our full, free, eternal salvation, including our final glory, condition on Christ alone. 
if one for whom God the Father chose, Christ the Son died for, God the Holy Spirit regenerate and converts, can somehow be lost. You know what he's lost? He's lost part of his inheritance. He didn't die in vain. He didn't shed any blood needlessly. There's not one drop of his precious blood wasted, but it was fully and completely poured out for all those whom he represented, and it secured their eternal salvation both here and throughout all eternity. We'll stop right there and we'll come back and pick up verse 19 next week. You're dismissed to worship out.